Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. All right, how you doing? Yeah, good. Now look at the person next to you. Tell them you do, you're doing good. Still, hello. Just say hello. Hello. <clears throat> All right, y'all, we're going to get into some stuff this morning, and I need to know that you're ready. Are you ready? Good, because I'm ready. I'm ready. This is the first time that I'm preaching without skinny jeans. Yes, victory. Believe it or not, these are not skinny, okay? These are normal slim fit pants, okay? Yes, this is a big change for me. This is huge. So welcome to my new world this morning. Um, I'm going to get right into it, and today we're going to look at how to be the real deal when it comes to being a Christian. We'll have that on there for you to be reminded as we go through the message this morning. And I need you to know that we can learn a lot from the Bible. Well, actually, everything we need to know, we can learn in the Bible, right? And remember that every time that we listen to someone preaching, the opportunity is there for you to learn and to grow. It doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter what the title of the sermon is. It doesn't matter who is preaching and where you are listening from, whether that be here in person or online. You have the opportunity to grow because we are listening to the Word of God. Amen? So, I need you to know that God has an appointment with each and every single one of you this morning right now. So, you need to be ready. Tell yourself, I'm ready. No, some of you did it loud. You have to whisper, say, I'm ready. Good, good. Thank you very much. All right, before we start today, I'd just like to ask a few questions, if that's okay. Um, thank you for saying no. I can't take consent with everybody, so I'm going to ask in anyway. Let's see, simply by raising your hand, who's ever gone through something hard in their lives? Any circumstance that has been hard, you know, painful, yeah, untimely? Okay, very good. Who's ever been tempted in their life? Yeah, good. Whether this is like sexual temptations, fraudulent temptations, temptation to gossip, to gossip, to be angry, whatever it might be, who's been tempted? Yeah. Okay. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, please don't be so holy. Um, <clears throat> now, here's a tougher one. Who's ever given into temptation? Yeah. Pretty much everyone who raised their hand who's been tempted, probably has given into temptation at some point. So I just asked those questions because I need to know that I'm in the right place this morning and that I'm speaking to the right people this morning. So I know it's a little bit of a different start and might seem like a little bit of a downer start, but just stick with me and open up your heart and let God speak to you this morning in what we're going to talk about. Are you with me? Okay. As I said earlier, God has an appointment with you today, right now. So Open up your heart to him, and please don't think that you are excluded from this message, because this is from the Word of God, and hopefully it's Jesus speaking to you and through me this morning. So, we are ready to roll, and I'm going to start with a topic that's called Trials and Temptations. All right, very fun topic. This is something that all of us go through in our lives, and we're going to read from the book of James, and we're going to talk about that this morning. And um, the book of James, for those who don't know, is basically a bunch of letters 
the Bible, we call it epistles. And for those who just thought I was swearing, I'm not. It's just a nice way of saying a letter written specifically for someone or a specific group of people. Basically, nowadays, it's like uploading a YouTube video and addressing it to someone specific or filming a bunch of TikToks for your fan page. Right? Everyone get that? Now that I have everyone's attention, we can read old school Bible. Well, kind of old school because I'm reading from an iPad here this morning. But you can follow along on the screen. James 1, verse 1 to 8. James, a servant of God, and the, um, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Anyone ever read the scripture? Yeah. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously. To all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, and that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Ouch. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. James seems like a very rad guy to be a friend with, and I think he wrote some pretty cool letters. But let's talk through that first part. James starts off by talking about trials. And I know that there can be a lot of confusion about this topic or about this word. But we have to try and understand what it means for us today in order to be the real deal when it comes to being a believer of Christ. So, because trials are something that all of us face, and uh, we've been given the ability to make choices, right? Remember, we all have free will, and uh, we have the ability to choose things in our life. So, let's look at it. What are trials? I'm going to try and explain it like this. Trials can be moments or circumstances in your life that are consequential to our decisions that has the potential to grow your faith. I'm going to say that again. Trials can be moments or circumstances in your life that are consequential to our decisions that has the potential to grow our faith. Now, just yesterday... Um, Leo is starting to do a lots of things, right? He's 16 months old and he's just like nonstop. He's a real boy. He's starting to become a real little boy. And with that comes things that all boys do probably. And I'm sure I did bad things too, you know, like not listening to your parents. I don't know if it's a boy thing or if it's just a kid thing, but first kid here, I'm learning. I'm learning. So yesterday, Leo was standing on our baseboard heaters in our house. Now I know some of you are judging me right now. They were not on. They're off. It's summer, okay? But Leo was standing on the baseboard heater because that's the only way that he can see out the window. And we, we live on a fourth floor condo building and um, it's a pretty cool view. And he loves looking out the window because there's a bunch of trucks and cars going out there. But the problem is when Leo gets up there at this point, he does not know how to get down. And it's only like this high, really, the baseboard heater. And he can definitely do it because he climbs down the, um, the bed and uh, the couch and everything. But he hasn't learned how to get down from the baseboard heater yet. So he just holds on until you come and get him. And so he would start crying and screaming at us to come and get him. And so yesterday, me and uh, Haley looked at me, looked at me. I'm just going to point out, Haley looked at me and said, 
should we just leave him and see how long he cries for and see if he can come down? And I said, yes, let's leave him. So <clears throat> I know, I know it's mean, it's mean, but you got to learn. You got to learn. You know, silly as it is, Leo made the decision to get up there without knowing how to get down. And it's important for us to understand that the choices we make puts us in certain situations. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. Sometimes the trials we are in can also be caused by other people's choices and decisions they make. We become the collateral around it, the collateral damage. And we kind of need to know how to deal with that as well. Um, I've experienced this just recently. But um, let's go back to James. And James says that trials can be very important to our development. And that we should actually consider our trials as joy. And another translation says to count your trials as joy. I know this is hard to hear. But counting your trials as joy doesn't mean that you have to like it. And he's not saying that you have to be happy about going through hard times. But what he is saying is that you should count your joy because you have an opportunity now to grow in your faith and to take one step closer to knowing Jesus. Now, do you know the difference between happiness and joy? Anyone? I think you do. Yeah. I'm just going to explain it this way. Happiness is basically emotional or circumstantial. And it's almost like saying, I'm happy because I feel happy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyone? thinks of a song when I say that. I'm happy, clap along if you feel happiness. Right? I'm happy because I feel happy. Joy is a little bit different. Joy is a decision that we make. Joy is one of the choices that we have to make when we're facing hard things and we're facing situations in our life. And so when you choose joy, it will most likely lead into you being happy at some point. So that's basically what James is writing there, saying that, hey, when you're facing trials in your life, why don't you choose the, the position of being joyful in it? Because now you have an opportunity to learn something. You have an opportunity to get closer to God. Remember, God's grace covers all. Um, and it's not there for us to just use it like blindly, but it is there to cover us when we do mess up and we get ourselves into trials or hard times. So when James writes and says that we should count our trials as joy, he's saying that we should be excited about what God is going to do in our lives right now. Because they're always there to develop and grow our faith. And when your faith and relationship grow stronger, that's when you're setting yourself up to be used by God for His glory. And that is one step closer to becoming the real deal. Why don't you look at the person next to you and tell them, be the real deal. All right? Remember, you chose that person so they know you are their favorite. So if I ask that later on again, you're going to have to make a choice on who you're going to look towards. Just keep that in mind. In verse 4, James says that you should also know that when trials come, you shouldn't cut them off too quick. Because then you might have to go through it again. Remember last week we heard that God does believe in retesting. God is there for us when we mess up to turn back to him and say, God, I'm going to try this again. But it's important for us to know that we should be able to deal with the trials the right way and with biblical ways so that we don't have to go through them again and again and again and again. 
Anyone's ever been there? Yeah, same thing over and over and over again. Good, I'm not alone. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. It's within perseverance that faith is built stronger. Now, James also distinguishes trials from temptations, and we see this in verse 13 to 15. Remember, we said that trials are moments or circumstances in life that are consequential to our decisions that now carries the potential to grow your faith. In James 1, 13 to 15, let's read that quickly. It says, when tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by the by, by evil, and nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, what does it do? It gives birth to death. And that's why we need the risen Jesus in our lives. Because we're all full of this. We all do it. And we need the risen Jesus in our lives to bring us back to life. Now, if I try and explain temptations, it might look something like this. Temptations are actions by the devil to appeal to our flesh to get us to disobey God. Does that make sense? Temptations are actions by the devil to appeal to our flesh to get us to disobey God. Hopefully the picture of uh, the garden comes up in mind right now. So the question is, what do we do when we're faced with temptations in the midst of the things that we're going through? Matthew 4, verse 1 to 11 states this very well. Let's read this together. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's hard to understand sometimes. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he says again, throw yourself down, for it is written that he will command angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And then Jesus answered again and said, It is also written, dude, listen up. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Get away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Man, notice that the enemy also knows scripture. The enemy can also quote the written word. But there's a difference. The enemy doesn't have the living word. Because I don't think the enemy has a heart. And you need a heart to have the living word in you. Because that's where Jesus lives. And that's where the change comes. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think the devil has a heart. I think he's heartless. Um, So, we can see that temptations are designed by the enemy to defeat us and to bait us and to keep us from experiencing victory in our trials, in our lives. 
The enemy was trying to distract Jesus from his purpose in that moment. In that passage, we see that our way to have victory over temptations is simply by our commitment to the word. When the enemy attacks, we respond with scripture. We respond with our faith. And we'll, we'll look in and see how important it is to make that faith active in our lives. So when we go through trials, we should be ready to be able to distinguish between the purpose of that trial and the temptations within. Now let me make this really, really, really clear. God does not present temptations. God does not bring evil. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift is from God, right? God does not carry evil in him. That is why he had to come down and send Jesus for us because evil was introduced into the world and now we need a savior. But God does not bring that evil onto us. God doesn't tempt us and he never will. Oftentimes we see that the devil throw, throws temptations our way when we are down or broken, hungry, sick, tired, and lonely. Anyone ever feel like that and feel like the world is just coming down on you all at the same time? Feel like the enemy is always attacking at the same point. The enemy actually also comes at you in the areas that you are most passionate and comfortable with. And that's hard to hard to know and to understand because we think that, you know, when we're so close to Jesus and things are going well, that we're like touchless and we're like invisible to the enemy. But the fact is that he, he can still come and distract us even when we're comfortable and passionate about things. So in spite of the trials that we're facing or the temptations that are coming at us, many times we are defeated because the word is not yet activated in our hearts and in our lives. We're basically just operating in self-efficiency instead of that divine revelation that we can find in the doing of the word. So this is another way how you can become the real deal. Now look at that second favorite person on your side and tell them, be the real deal. Yeah, that's very soft, very quiet. Love it, love it. James is telling us to be the real deal in these letters that he's writing. And what I mean by that is that when people look at you and I, they should be able to see the attributes of God. God's attributes should be showcased through our lives and his word being active in us. Being the real deal means that you have the right strategies and the godly means to resist temptation, to conquer trials in your life, and also to live a beautiful and inspiring life. This is all based on your faith. And one of the ways that we live out the word is in having a true and solid relationship with Jesus that is authentic and real. Please don't have a fake faith. Please don't be one of those people that just show up on a Sunday putting this faith suit on for a Sunday and then you take it off when you get home to nap and never put it on until next Sunday. Faith should be the thing that drives your day. You should wake up every day telling yourself that today I'm putting my whole life in Jesus' hands. You only need to get saved once. You only give your heart to Jesus once, but you constantly have to make a decision to offer your life up to him in that moment. Let's read James 1, 19 to 25. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. And it's not because he might have Alzheimer's, it's just the way it is. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, there's our key, you got to continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in whatever they do. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the, world plant, the word planted in you, which can save you. Basically, it's the word that becomes active in your life that can be the change for those around you. A little bit later on in James 2, he also writes about the importance of letting your faith minister to others in their trials. And we have to remember that even in the midst of our own trials, our faith can still change someone else's life. Your faith and your worship can help those around you when they're in the thick of it all. We were all created for one another. Do we agree? Yeah, we don't believe we were created for just ourselves. Because if you're isolated, you're going to die. If you're alone, you're going to die. We were created for one another. Just a couple weeks ago, me, Haley, and Leo were walking down the street. Um, we love going on little walks. And as we come up to this traffic light, um, wanting to cross the street, there's this man coming up to us. And he is walking with passion. And he's walking with intent. He's got two walking sticks. He's dressed up for walking. This guy is a serious walker. And uh, as he comes closer to us, he just yells out out of the blue, Oh, what a beautiful day it is to walk, isn't it? Me and Haley are looking at him and say, Oh, yes, sir, it is, because it was beautiful. And so as we're crossing the street, we're walking, you know, first we got to wait for that little guy that goes beep boop, and then you can cross the street, because in Canada you can't just walk. Where I'm from, you just walk because you have to dodge the cars. <laughs> you have to, hey. But here you got to wait for the light, so it's a good thing. So as that light goes off, we're walking across the street, and this man just started talking, and we started conversing. And it was awesome just to talk to this man. He's got his walking sticks. We got a stroller, me and Haley walking. We're about only a couple minutes away from home. And within those couple minutes... Um, this guy shared why he's walking so much. And he, he walks about three hours a day, every single day. I mean, this guy is a professional walker probably. And he did share. He did run marathons and things in his life um, before. And now he loves walking. But he needs to walk at least three hours a day to stay active and to keep his immune system up because he's currently going through chemo treatment. And within a couple minutes of spending time with this guy, I could feel the heartbreak and the sadness that his family might be feeling because he was talking about his grandkids as well. So I know that there is joy somewhere in the family because wherever there are kids, hopefully, there's joy. I know some of us experience it differently, but kids bring joy to us, okay? Within just a couple minutes, I learned so much from this man because in the midst of Probably one of the biggest trials in his life, probably one of the biggest circumstances in his life. I'm just assuming. I don't know what he's been through, but I know that that's not a joke, and I know that's a big thing. 
I've experienced that in our family, in our lives. I know lots of people who've gone through the whole thing, lost a lot of people to cancer, and I know that it is real and it exists. I could feel the heartbreak that is actually in this man, but I did not experience it at all through his words and his facial expressions. This man was full of happiness. He was joyful. And I'm sure that he made a choice because he loves being active. I'm sure that he made a choice saying that I will still be active in the midst of all this testing. All of this, I will give my best and I will carry on. Because the way that he spoke about his grandchildren was really moving. That was a beautiful day actually for me. And I was just, um, we were just going into what I deem as a hard time and a trial in our lives. And we were faced with some situations and this man brought hope to me. Now, I don't know if he knew, I don't know if he knows Jesus. And within those couple minutes, could I have shared the gospel with him? Are we supposed to do that? Yeah, but I didn't. Instead, I listened and I let him minister to me. In a couple minutes, that guy basically changed my life because he brought joy and he brought hope to me. And I don't even know if he knows Jesus. This is the thing. We were created for one another and we have to realize that every trial and circumstance we go through has a purpose in it. Doesn't mean that it was good and we ended up there because of our decisions, but it still carries a purpose and you can still change someone else's life and minister to them through your faith and the choices that you make in the midst of those heavy times. So your story matters and your trial that you are going through matters. James also talks about the orphans, the widows, the broken and the lost, the poor and the hungry and how they need you and I. But that really includes everybody because the fact is, if you don't know Jesus, you're broken, poor, and lost. That is everybody. And we need to reach out to the world. We were created for one another. We need to be able to give love and grace fully to everyone the same way. And I know that that's really hard to do, but that's the kind of thing that shows, God, that shows God's attributes. I mean, Jesus did it. Jesus was full of it. Not like full of it. Jesus was full of grace and love. Let me make that clear. Jesus was full of grace and love. And everywhere he went, that is what people experienced. And that is the thing that we should strive for, to be like in all those situations. So when you're undergoing trials and when you're faced with temptations, find a moment to help somebody else because that allows God's favor and grace to flow, first of all, in you, but then it allows God's grace to flow through you. And that's for the benefit of others. And that is why we are here. This is when your faith becomes active and the written word becomes now the living word. James also talks about when someone comes to you when they're hungry, asking for food, asking for something to eat. Don't just reply to them saying, man, I'll pray for you. All good. What good is that? You can't eat a prayer. You can eat a burger, you can eat a sandwich, you can eat a Choco Brownie Extreme Blizzard from Dairy Queen any time of the day, amen. But don't just pray for someone when they tell you that they're hungry. Help them. Put your faith into action. 
Having an active faith is sometimes much more simple than what we think. And that is also part of being the real deal. Now turn to someone that you haven't seen before and tell them, be the real deal. Stretch those neck muscles. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You need to know that only an active faith brings God into our experience. Not an intellectual faith, not a faith of facts and correction all the time. It's only an active faith that can bring God into our experience right now, right here, today. You can attend church every week. You can watch every sermon online that you can find. You can watch every YouTube or TikTok video about Jesus. And if you don't apply the principles that you are being taught, your faith is basically dead. And it's just a religion, and there's nothing to it. A dormant faith is like dead religion, and an active faith is a growing relationship. And that's what we need. But even more than that, that's what the world needs. The world needs us to have active faith. You see, James wants us to be the real deal when it comes to living out a Christian life. He wants us to know that God always has a purpose and a plan for us, even when the devil is trying to tempt us and to steer us away from him. So be the real deal. Look at someone else and tell them, be the real deal. You're going to do that a couple times. Come on. There we go. I'm hearing a very thick South African accent here on my right. Be the real deal. <clears throat> there we go. Being the real deal means that you are going to live with godly purpose. And that is living with courage to take a step forward and to take a leap towards something that has already been planned out for you. Taking a leap of faith is all is um, taking a leap of faith in all parts of your life is taking one step closer to who God has made you to be. You were part of his plan all along. Don't think you were just an oopsie or your life is just an oopsie. You've been part of God's plan since the beginning. Taking a leap of faith towards living with godly purpose is almost like uh, Peter getting out of the boat. Are we all familiar with that story? A passage in the Bible. This is where um, the disciples were sent off into a, uh, in a boat to cross the lake. And uh, Jesus told them, I'll meet you there later on. And uh, while they're on the lake, a bunch of waves came, like the storm came. Waves were crashing and things kind of got crazy. And um, in the middle of this... The disciples looked over and they saw something walking on the water. They thought it was a ghost. I mean, what else would you think? Like the person walking on the water, that's just weird. But as this person approached closer, some of the disciples were afraid. They didn't know what to do. But Peter actually stood up and he spoke up. And he asked and he yelled out, said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. Sometimes we got to make that choice to speak up. And, you know, I don't think Peter, I think Peter's faith was really on display there as a, let's just think, if Peter had an iPhone 13 Pro in his pocket, do you think he would have handed it off to the disciples before he stepped out on the boat? I don't think so. You and I, I feel, I've been like that. I've done that many times when God is asking you to step out on the water um, you know, you might ask someone, just hold my phone and then I'll go. Does that make sense? Right? 
Don't ask someone to hold your phone if God tells you to step out of the boat. You're not fully trusting and not fully, fully having faith in Him if you ask someone to hold your phone. I'm pretty sure the disciples really hoped that He had Apple Care and He paid that extra $100, which I'm really glad that they felt that way because later on, Peter doubted. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he went down. Apple Care, thank you very much. Probably still had to pay $100 afterwards to get it fixed. <laughs> Amen for Apple Care, apparently. You see, you and I have choices to make every single day. And if we just look at what happened on that boat scene, we have one of two choices to make. We can either be fearful and not do anything, thinking it's just a ghost on the water. Or two, we can speak up and ask to be used by Jesus. As I said, Peter's faith was on display that day. But Peter's doubt was also on display that day. Don't just think that it's your perfectness and it's just the good stuff in you that's going to be on display. The world sees everything. The people around you sees everything in you. That's why we have to make sure that we're aligned with what God has for us. And we have to make sure that when we step out of the boat, we're actually stepping into what he has called us for and where he has called us to. Stepping into purpose is you showing up at the right time and the right place where God wants you to be. We've all heard the verse in the book of Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah 29, where it says, God has amazing plans for us. Anyone ever read that? Beautiful. We're going to read it in any way together. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you ask, uh, when you seek me with all your heart. That one verse basically sums up that whole chapter of James. If you really look at it. And uh, this is what living with godly purpose is like. Understanding that God, in all of his sovereignty, still has his good and perfect ways even when we mess up, and even when we choose to mess up. You see, Jeremiah, that verse in Jeremiah is a very nice verse to read. But we also have to understand that what happened before that verse in the rest of Jeremiah was not so nice. The nation was in exile. There was really bad things happening. And so we find ourselves always going to the nice verse in the not-so-nice chapter. But... What we can learn from that is that there's always a little bit of hope in the midst of the darkness. There's always a little bit of the Jeremiah 29:11 in the things that we face. So I'm here to tell you right now that there is always hope, even when it doesn't feel like that. Even if it's just a little bit of hope. As the worship team comes up, I'll, I'll finish off. We can all go and have some lunch. Eat. Because that's what we're supposed to do. We were created for one another and to eat with one another. Very big belief. Hope is that treasure you can find in the trial you are facing. Hope is being that real deal for those around you. And hope is also that joyful expectation, that joyful decision that you make to have a great and beautiful expectation of what the future holds. Ultimately, the hope that we have is found in a person, and that person is Jesus. 
Maybe you need to hear that today. Now, I know that we have three groups of people here today. Those who are either in the middle of a trial, those who just ended some sort of trial in their lives, and then those who are about to enter into a trial. Everything we do, every decision we make, and every choice we make will lead us somewhere. And so whichever group you fall into today, know that there's always hope, and you can always choose joy. And you can choose to stay faithful in your relationship with Jesus because your commitment to Him and to His Word is what will bring victory. When you act on the Word of God, you activate the power within it. And that is when you become the real deal. You see, we need each other. We need each other right now. And if you choose to have a dormant faith, which is basically a still standing, not moving, asleep kind of faith, basically being that Sunday Christian, if you just come here to hear the word and leave, this sounds harsh, I'm sorry, but that's kind of useless. You have to make a choice to take what you learn here on a Sunday, take what you learn online, wherever, whatever you watch. You have to make that decision to learn from it so that the word can become active in your life. That's the only way that we can conquer the things that we go through. It's the only way that we can resist the devil um, when he brings temptations our way. Listen, all of us are going to face temptation. I don't care who you are, how holy you are. The devil will tempt you. You will be tempted with things, whether it's small or big whether it's there to destroy your marriage or just to get you to eat another donut. The devil, by the way, there's donuts at the front door on your way out, I think. Um, <laughs> so if you haven't taken one yet, uh, you know, be ready. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Be ready to act on what you learn. Otherwise, you just become like one of these chairs in the, in the building here. You'll just stay here. We're just going to move you every week, put you in place. And this chair is not going to go out the building on its own. We need you to take a step of faith. Do what Peter did. Call out to the Lord. Remember last week. Call out and say, God, like, I'm here for the retesting. I need your help again. I am sorry. I messed up again. My choices that I made led me into the situation. I need your grace again. If you remember anything from today, just remember, Jesus is full of it. That's grace and love. And we can always run to him. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We're going to sing one more song. And um, I ask that you would really enter into worship. Give your heart over and just worship with everything in you. Because the people around you need that. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.